Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So, AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So, welcome and enjoy. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to AccidentalMuslims.com. And today we've got a special guest, Uzair. Isaac, Uzair, welcome. Thank you so much. Firstly, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be a part of this. Yeah, welcome to the Accidental Muslims.com family. And yeah. um, also, we have our guest presenter, Amir. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. It's good to have you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. So, let's get into it. Who is Uzair? That's the first stumbling question. Sure. Um, I would consider myself as a young entrepreneur um, looking to make a difference to those around me and um, yeah, just someone with passion, a passion for life, a passion for football and yeah, I would say that's me in short. So tell us, let's go back, let's go back to uh, your school, where, where did you grow up, what school did you go to, can you give us some background with your family, sure. So I grew up in Mayfair, Johannesburg. Um, Muslim area, luckily across the road from the Mayfair Mosque, so that was beneficial. I lived there for 13 years and did uh, primary school there. And then I moved to Durban where I did high school. And then uh, after high school I moved to Cape Town to study at uh, UCT and obviously like anyone would, fell in love with Cape Town and Mm -hmm. uh, didn't look back and I've been here, this is my ninth year. Okay, and so what did you study at UCT? My um, funny story, I actually started with engineering, uh, changed after about 45 minutes. <laughs> um, then I did business science, I uh, did that for three years, unfortunately not very proud but got excluded and then uh, finished off with a BCom. BCom in? Uh, management studies, so I had uh, quite a few um, specializations. Tell us about uh, younger Uzair. Um, growing up in childhood, maybe something about any childhood memories or something that you, you believe is valuable to you being who you are. So uh, growing up, I was a bit of an introvert, a uh, bit of a nerd if we could consider that. And, uh, can identify with that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, mostly after school playing soccer, Madrasa, Dragon Ball Z, like any uh, 90s baby if you want to call that. And then... Um, but one thing that stuck was that I always had a passion for entrepreneurship. And I think I get that from um, my heritage, which is my grandfather, my father. They've always been businessmen. They've never studied. They've never had corporate jobs. So from when I was young in school, I can remember selling Pokemon cards, Terzos, laser <laughs> pointers, you know, you name it. I would find a way to put a markup on it and earn some extra pocket money and sell it. And I think, you know, all of those uh, small things I did, which uh, have led to this. And, you know, even though it might be small and insignificant, you think um, Mm -hmm. it's given me the experience and knowledge, which I think I use today. It's almost conditioned your mind. Yes, I would definitely say that. Being an entrepreneur. Yes. So you didn't study agriculture or... Because my impression was that you did. (laughs) Not at all. In fact, uh, if you ask me how to farm anything, um, the crops would all probably die, unfortunately. (laughs) But... uh, Selling it is where uh, I hope I'm, I'm good at it. Yeah. So when you went at university, did you 
you know that okay after graduating you're going to be an entrepreneur i mean you see you say that entrepreneurship is in your blood in your blood yeah um so during school and university you know that okay once i finish my degree i'm going to be an entrepreneur um well the thing is throughout school and university i was i was an entrepreneur although okay. on a much yeah, yeah, yeah. A smaller scale yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. i always had at the back of my head that i didn't want to work in a corporate job okay. or at least that wouldn't be my first prize yeah So um the company actually started while I was at university. Oh, wow. So um when I finished university it just allowed me more time to really take the business to new heights. Did you start the, the business or oh did someone else start? No no I started it. Um, so while you were in, on campus. You yeah. So do you think going to university was a waste or um I wouldn't consider it a waste. I mean there's a uh, valuable skills uh, lessons you learn there. The other important thing about university that many many people take for granted is the networking. Mm-hmm. So um, I spent a lot of many years at university. In fact, five and a half years. Okay. Um, a lot of people will see that as a failure, but um, I, I think it's allowed me to meet so many different people from so many different backgrounds and so many different ages that um, you know it's allowed me to network uh, quite a bit. And I think that's one major thing people don't realize about university. But of course, the education, especially a UCT education, it's a it's a difficult institution. They make you work hard. They make you think. So I think that's important. It's obviously um, helped me with uh, to be where I am today. So apparently, we got some Instagram questions coming through already. Okay. So let's move over to our viewers on that side. Okay. Can you can um, read us some of the questions? Okay, so there are two questions. The first one is how was the International Fruit Expo in Germany? Berlin, yes. We? Oui? Uh, yes. So, uh, I actually didn't go this year. Um last year was my first year, but um it was a bit cold in Germany last year, minus 5 degrees. So, I decided uh, to take a skip this year and inshallah I'll go again next year and we'll go. sort of every second year because I don't think it's necessary to go every single year. Okay, and then there's another question um which was about your business so how has the water crisis affected it? Mm. Um to be honest last year crops were down um I would say about 20 to 30%. So I mean for example Western Cape is one of the biggest um regions for grape cultivation. Last year I didn't send a single grape container at all. Um so I think that's evident um you know to say that because there was such little supply demand was high it was difficult to make a sale because farmers didn't have extra stock you know to take out of their programs and give someone new in industry like me so um yeah but luckily uh, we've had good rainfall in places like Cape Town and the rest of the country so um from what I see it's uh, kind of normalized now Okay lovely well I have two follow up questions to that yeah. so sure. what happens in Germany Um okay so good question Germany is the biggest international fruit show it's called the Fruit Logistica it's a convention where uh many sellers go and set up stall I believe last year when I was there there were 70,000 um attendees okay and um it's 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 nice to go because instead of me traveling all over the world and meeting all my clients you kind of can meet them all under one roof over five days. So okay. um, there's people showcasing their fruit, there's people showcasing machinery, fertilizers, um, you know, new innovations to the industry. So I basically under one roof, it's everything to do with fruit and vegetables. That's okay. cool. Um, and how do you compensate for not sending a single grape? 
Um, so as I, I did mention to you guys earlier, grapes isn't my biggest, um, mm. you know, seller. So okay. uh, I mean, this year I've only done three, which uh, I consider quite a lot because it's not my biggest. But I mean, just as a comparison, last year we didn't mm. do any. Luckily, the stone fruit season um, is in conjunction with the grape season. So last year I had sent uh, quite a few stone fruit season. Uh, I mean containers to compensate for that. Stone fruit? Can you elaborate? What's this? Yes, yeah, so stone fruit is anything with fruit. that uh, kind of pip that looks like a stone. Uh, so we're talking nectarines, okay. plums, okay. peaches. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, considered stone fruit. Okay. Cool. Question. Uh, what has your grandfather taught you while you were selling tomatoes in Sofia Town? <laughs> Did you mention this now already? Oh, no, wow, this person said knows me. Before you so no. Did you play this question? <laughs> <laughs> no. So uh, when I was born, my, my grandfather wasn't selling tomatoes in Sofia Town. Um, he was actually uh, he owned a sportswear or shoe store, whatever you want to call that. But um, yeah, that's how he started out. So I did mention that in one of my articles <coughs> is that it was quite uh, ironic if we can say that uh, he started with fruit and I also kind of started with fruit properly. So, um, yeah, but he obviously taught me many lessons. Uh, he's not here with us today, but um, yeah, just from him being a businessman, um, I suspend weekends after school in his shop. So, you know, you learn from him, you see what he does and um, yeah, it just kind of grows on you. Okay, so how would you describe Uzair in three words? Sure. <laughs> um, I would say down to earth, uh, creative, and um, I would say I'm a realist. A realist? Tell, tell us about the realist. So a lot of our entrepreneurs are yeah, naturally are opportunistic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that's a great uh, trait to have. But I think uh, something that helps me is that I'm a realist. So... Um, I kind of know where to draw draw the line um, without extending myself too much and mm-hmm. putting myself at too much financial risk. So yeah, I think there. I think that's where I would say I would describe myself. So let's as I go back to your business of so Cape Crops, it's called Cape Crops. Yes, right? that's okay. right. So what was your first fruit and, and where do you farm this stuff? Like tell us tell us the beginning stages. How did it all start? Sure. So. Um, my father and I were importing uh, rice from Pakistan okay. and India and we had a, um, a driver worker. He was uh, from Pakistan and he had a cousin in Saudi Arabia who asked him for pineapples from South Africa because mm. he was living in Saudi, he was importing South African fruit. So I was actually in university at the time. So we kind of got this order and I told my dad, look, I'm at university. Um, he spent a lot of time in the Durban area at that point. So I said, you are in Durban. Uh, in the KZN region, they farm a lot of pineapples. Could you possibly, you know, source some of the pineapples? And uh, he did successfully, uh, found a good farmer, and we sent some pineapples to uh, Saudi. And that's when I realized that, sure, there's a definite global demand for this. It's profitable if you do it correctly. And, yeah, that's basically the first fruit we started with. But funny enough, I don't send any pineapples today. So, <laughs> so you, you don't actually you don't actually farm the stuff. You you, you kind of find farmers. And yeah, you I'm basically a middleman. You're the middleman. Yeah, okay. so uh, I link up um, the buyers with the yes. farmers. And, yeah, yeah, that's how I make it happen. So okay. I don't farm oh. anything. I don't own any yes. farms, any warehouses or anything. So. That's interesting. Great business model. So I... Just judging by the name, called Cape Crops, yeah. I take it that your, your sort of all of your fruits are in one basket, and that basket is the Western Cape. 
Um, it did initially, well, when I thought of the name, it was initially meant to start off like that, but um, the foods that are available in the Western Cape are also available all over the country. So, for example, if we take something like citrus, it starts the earliest in Hoodsprate, which is in Limpopo, and it actually finishes in Cape Town. So, although when I started off, I was busy with Western Cape fruit, mm-hmm. now that um, it's quite serious and my, and my customers demand fruit pretty much for as long as possible, mm-hmm. I've had to start um, procuring from those northern regions also. So, yeah, the, coming up with the name, um, I just felt like it, uh, you know, rolled off the tongue, Cape mm-hmm. Crops. Mm-hmm. And since we are based in Cape Town, um, yeah, kind of put that together. And when I saw how the logo looked when the design came out, I, I thought, you know, it's a perfect fit. Yes, you have a question? Um, so someone's asking, what's the thing you are most proud of and that and something that most people don't know about you? Hmm, interesting. Hmm. Um, most proud of? Um, sure. I think uh, being where I am today, um, I didn't expect this ever to happen. So I think the fact that we made it so far and it's continuing to grow is uh, what I'm most proud of. And so what was the second part of the question? Um, something that most people don't know about you. Sure, don't know about me. That you obviously willing to see. Sure. I don't know if it does seem this way, but a lot of people think I'm quite confident and I'm not shy at all, but that's a complete lie. I'm actually sitting here quite nervous and shy. So, <laughs> so that's maybe something that people don't know about me. There's, there's another question that's a bit um, also off topic. Do you see comics or Marvel? Sure. <laughs> Some people are going to kill me, but either way, I think I'm going to lose. Uh, but I would have to say Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. Books or movies? Oof. Um, not good for the youth, but uh, I would say movies, but uh, definitely if you can uh, choose books, yeah. Do you have a favorite book? Sure. I mean, I sound terrible, but I've yeah. probably only read about two or three books in my whole life, and that was because we were forced to in school, in school. so um, yeah, the only one I did read um, willingly was the Sir Alex Ferguson biography, okay. but even that I got about three quarter way through, and then for some reason yes. I got distracted. So there's two of us. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone. We we starting a, a so we're starting a book club. Okay, uh, yeah. So we know, we know how important okay. books are in reading is especially. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to <laughs> yeah to start a movement of you know that culture of reading. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, it will. yeah. And I I do think that's important. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like I might have lacked that. Um, uh, definitely. Uh, in fact, well, I also. I mean, I started only reading like really reading. But five years ago. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Do you have any mentors? And not, it doesn't have to be formal. Like, yeah. Do you have like, informal uh, mentors? Definitely both my parents. Okay. Um, my father, as I said, because he's a businessman, he's literally taught me everything I know about business. Um, anytime I need to know any single thing, he's so experienced, he's so knowledgeable, I can go to him, whether it's legal, whether it's logistical, mm. no matter what it is, I could go to him with the question and he'd know the answer. He's also uh, really well connected. If I need a contact in whichever industry, in whichever department, he's, he's always there. And I think um, he's taught me a lot uh, about how to do things. And uh, my mother, on the other hand, she's also 
um, a businesswoman in her own right. She she's done her own small businesses, but uh, she's taught me the caution side of it and uh, the administrative side of it, and you know how to make sure everything is in order, everything is you know formalized and professional. And both of them together, I think, is what gives me the perfect mix. Lovely, it's awesome. With regards to what you do, what do you find most rewarding? Um. I think the fact that I allow people from all over the world to taste South African food. Obviously, I'm not the only one doing it, but sure. uh, the fact that I contribute towards it. Also, I mean, indirectly, I would like to think I'm contributing towards employment because um, if I help sell the fruit, they can grow more fruit. They can employ yeah. more people to work in the fields, to work in the pack houses. So, uh, yeah, and um, I, I would hope that I inspire people too. In terms of employees, um, you don't have much employees, but you also um, you mentioned before the interview you had a couple of employees. Um, formerly employed by yeah, the yeah. company, it's just myself and my father. Okay. Um, I do have about four or five procurement agents yes. and about two or three sales agents, and I also had a logistics agent. And why I call them agents and not employees is because it all works on a deal-to-deal basis. If a procurement agent successfully procures fruit for me which we sell off, they will obviously get a cut. If a sales agent brings me a successful deal, they'll get a cut. When I do send a container and I need logistics works to be done, the logistics agent gets a cut. So I think that's why Escape Crops has been uh, successful is because we don't have many fixed overheads. These are all variable costs. So only if a sale is made, do people get paid. And I obviously build these into my costs before sending a container so that my margin remains good but they also earn their respective money. So I think that's helped a, a lot in terms of the model of Cape Crops. While other companies obviously employ many people and they've got massive overheads, so when they're having bad months, they still have to pay those people. Uh, that's where I think we benefit in a bit. Cool. Is there a question there? There is. I think you may have answered this though, but um, the question is what made you choose Flip? Like what made you go this far? Yeah, I think um, you did answer. Yeah, sort yeah. of an opportunity mm-hmm. yeah. um, that yeah. you grabbed. Okay. There's another question. I usually ask this question, but someone actually said, as for Aisha's question, <laughs> um, <laughs> which means people actually think you know to it. Um, my question to every guest that comes on here usually, and it's, I think it's more interesting because you are a fruit person. Yeah. Pineapple so, on pizza. Do you think you have pineapple on pizza or not? Definitely not. I've had it before. The, uh, just you're the second guest. Thank just you. Just not much. my cup of tea, to be honest. He's a fruit expert, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> look in this in this journey of entrepreneurship. You know, you get those ups and downs. Of course. Can you tell us? And obviously, only if you can't bullshit. Can you yeah. can you tell us some of you? I'm saying inverted commas, like failures or downs. Can you tell us? Sure. Couple of them. Maybe we can learn, especially people mm, yeah. that are watching and they're going to listen to the podcast. Yeah. Can learn from your, you know, your downs, your failures. Yeah. So um, the first, so when I started with the pineapples of Saudi, that was air freight, um, and when I did my first sea freight deals, that was obviously shipping in a container. We sent the fruit to Pakistan, and uh, I did two deals. It worked out successfully. You know, I saw okay, there's decent money to be made. And um, then they started ordering more. So I went to friends and family and asked them for investment. And on the third deal, we sent, I would say, about 600,000 worth of stuff to Pakistan. And uh, then the customer just doesn't pay you. 
And I know it's the oldest trick in the book where it works out the first two times and then on the third time they hit you down. And that's basically what happened to me. And um, I mean, it's been extremely difficult to recover from that. Mm. Still hard. And that was literally my first C-Fred deal. Mm. So I was quite uh, heartbroken, if that's the right word to use, when that happened. And I mean, also to try and get um, your money out of a country like Pakistan mm. is is not easy. You're not dealing yeah. with uh, white collar companies or anything like that, you know. So... Yeah, that was a bit of a, a train smash. So how do you learn from it? I mean, how do you avoid that in the, in the future? Uh, caution. So, I mean, now we have measures in place when vetting customers to see are they able to, you know, pay us back properly. Uh, a lot of my deals now are cash upfront deals. Most of them actually, where the customer pays me first before I ship. Um, yeah, or okay. if they have their own funding or an investor who's willing to um, put their neck on the line for them. So it's not my head on the chopping block if something goes wrong. So um, we basically changed the model completely since that. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Mm. Are you operational throughout the entire year? Yeah, 365 days a year. Okay, so how does it work during changing of seasons? Do you supply the same clients, the same fruit? How does it work? So that's one difference between myself and the other fruit export companies is that a lot of them work on a program basis. So the customer might say, we want... 20, 30 containers over this time period, three a week or whatever the case may be. Uh, none of my business is program business. I hope that I, I will get there someday, but all my business is ad hoc deals. So either a customer will come to me and say, we're looking for this fruit, can you source it for us? And I'll use my network of farmers to see if we can get that specific fruit, that count, that color, that packaging, etc. Or um, I might be offered fruit by a farmer and then I will send that out to all my customers and see which one um, wants to take it. So getting back to your actual question, uh, a lot of the fruit overlaps. So I mean, now that it's stone fruit season has ended, there's still grapes available, but while grapes are available, we also uh, sent a few pear containers. So, um, and as the pears are going, the apples will start. And then as the apples are still, you're still able to send apples, you'll be able to send citrus too. So it's almost like a rolling uh, cycle. So there's never ever a time when there's nothing available, if I can put it that way. Fascinating. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned success and successful a couple of times. What does success mean to you, Zay? In general and in simple terms, I think uh, success is happiness. So if you're happy, I think you've uh, achieved success. And I think that's the simplest way I can put it. And I mean, people have different things which make them happy. So if for yourself, you feel happy, then you should take it as that you're being successful. Mm -hmm. And uh, also the other thing which is important is that we must remember that success here and success in the Akhira are two different things. And that's the real success. So we should obviously all try and attain that success above everything else. Inshallah. Do you have a favorite ayah? Um, or verse or story? Yeah. Yeah. If I had one, I would say Ayatul uh, Kursi probably. Um, probably because it's, I would, I mean, I can't really say this, but it's a powerful ayah mm-hmm. or the most powerful in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, it offers protection. Mm-hmm. I mean, you also learn it quite early as a kid. So, I mean, we've been reciting it ever since we could talk, basically. Yeah. So, uh, that would probably be my favorite ayah. When you talk, when you think about today's youth, what excites you? Uh, the main thing is the opportunities that I'd hand. 
Um, I think the youth today have a lot more, and obviously I'm still a youth, so uh, yeah, a lot more opportunity than say my grandparents or mm-hmm. my parents did. Um, especially um, the fact that uh, there's they're fighting for free education. Um, these days, you don't have to worry about getting into university because of your skin color, although there is some issue there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think also the use of social media makes it easier for opportunity. I mean, people can really get themselves out there much easier today than they could back in the day. So I just think opportunity in general excites me because youth today have much more opportunity now than people had previously. For sure. What concerns you about the youth? Um, I would say keeping their, their mind and themselves on the right track. It's easy with things like social media, which obviously can backfire to get yeah. distracted um, and obviously do things which are not uh, religiously or morally correct. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one thing that would scare me. Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Um, hopefully with four kids so that together we can play uh, on one soccer team. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, all wearing United T-shirts. Well, obviously, obviously. Um, Allah knows best, of course. But uh, I mean, if it was my ideals, hopefully uh, with a family, um, maybe more than one business to my name, uh, 100% financially stable where you know I could hopefully sleep any night and not worry about where the next paycheck is coming from how rent's going to get paid you know maybe owning my own house uh, those sort of things just stability yeah yeah i mean now that you mention it it's i always see being your own boss as having a very very different type of stress yeah than had you worked for someone yeah so how do you how do you manage that um sure in the first few years it was very difficult i mean phone calls to my landlord ever so often um to say sorry the rent's going to be late um you know i hope it's okay um so there was always that stress i mean there's no stability you don't go to work and know that at the end of the month there's x amount coming into your account and that's obviously something that's very scary um but shukar alhamdulillah um these days it's a lot better Hmm. i mean it's not ideal but uh it's it's better and for me, it's just about pushing through these stages now, the difficult stages of having no kind of set, secure secure paycheck coming to hoping that uh, in the near future, inshallah, it will be kind of where I'm not just taking a paycheck, but I'm also able to save extra money um, for investments or whatever the, else the case may be. So the quick answer to the question is just basically having faith. Okay. Zay, are you open to investors? Or there might be a couple of investors on Instagram. Um, we always are. Uh, like I said previously, we would use investors to do the business. Now the model has changed quite a bit where we would take uh, cash up front. But um, there are still deals out there that I would be 100% comfortable in sending to those customers because I have trust in them. And they themselves don't have the cash to pay up front. For example, they might be selling the fruit onto supermarkets in their respective countries, only pay them 30 days later or so. So um, I have to pay the farmers cash up front. Um, because I'm new in the industry, there isn't trust for me yet where farmers will give me a half a million rand container uh, just like that. So I, I think also I'm kind of forced to pay cash up front. So there is definitely room for investment in Cape crops. And I think the earlier lessons have made me uh, more knowledgeable and cautious. So I'll know when to use the investments and when not to use them. So I'm just thinking now, putting on my entrepreneurship cap on, <laughs> my business cap on. So let's say I want to make a 
not quick back, but at least I want mm. to invest in something. Okay. Uh, but on the short term, so let's yeah. say I want to invest in like 500k in a container, and then whatever profits I can get back. But then like that's it's, it's a one. Can I do once a once of deal with yeah. you? Yeah. Or must it be sort of a, a long term sure. investment? So I, I do have a friend, for example, who phones me every now and again and he says, when, when are you going to give me a deal? When are you going to okay, give me a deal? So because I've done a deal with him where okay, we made a, a decent amount of money together, yeah. but I just haven't had those opportunities just wow. yet because I'm getting okay. cash up front now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it could possibly be short term. Any investor, I tell them, kind of think about a 60-day period, hmm. um, say about a week to get the stock, probably 30 days for the stock to arrive and... Um, just depending on the payment terms with the end buyer, uh, probably another 20 to 30 days. So, I mean, we're cool. looking at around 60 days for a return. Do keep in mind that margins in this industry are extremely tiny. So, I mean, people think uh, they're going to be going to send one container and all of a sudden become millionaires, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's more volume game. Volume. So, yeah. So, in, uh, any investors, potential investors? they waiting Instagram. for a minimum amount. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, question. Um, so firstly, there's quite a few messages coming in. Okay. Family saying they're proud of you. Well, I think it's family. I okay. Know. I hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> saying like, yeah, mashallah, they're quite proud of you. I think. And then there's a question that's <laughs> there's a question that's asking, um, how do you maintain a balanced life? Um, and then the second part of that is what makes you happiest. Okay. Um. Sure, maintaining a balanced life is difficult. To be honest, I would say I work pretty much the entire day. Even if I'm not physically in the office, um, you're still checking your emails, you're still sending WhatsApp messages, you're still calling people. I mean, interesting fact I was telling someone the other day, this past 30 days, I've probably used two and a half thousand minutes. Um, so um, that's obviously just being on the phone with people. That's not even the WhatsApp calls. That's just pure mm-hmm. minutes. So you can imagine how much I'm on the phone. Um, also, I think when I'm like trying to fall asleep or possibly even when I'm sleeping, I'm still thinking about work or, you know, how to make things better, how to make a a deal successful. So it is difficult balancing um, work with play, but uh, I do make time for fitness activities like gymming, boxing, football, etc. So you just have to kind of make the time. And so the second part of the question was? What makes you the happiest? Um, Sure, the happiest. um, What makes you happy? I think seeing progress and thinking back to where where we started and thinking about uh, to now and seeing that there's obviously massive massive inroads being made. I think that's what makes me happy and knowing that there is potential to go even further. Um, I think that's what makes me happy with regards to the business, of course. You say you you keep up at night a lot about your business. What what are your main challenges? So obviously weather is an issue. Um, I'll give you an example. It's been windy the past couple of days in, or week at least in Cape Town. So if it's windy, the port uh, closes. So you can't load containers onto the ship. So I mean, and obviously we're dealing with a perishable here. It's fruit. So there's a limited shelf life. So I mean, you expect a container to get loaded and the vessel to sail. And I mean, that's, this is literally what happened this week. And my customer phones me and says, hey, the container is coming tomorrow. Um, you haven't sent me the documents yet. So I phone my logistics people and I say, why haven't you sent the documents yet? And the guy says, actually made the container, only left yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what the heck, wow. what are you talking about? And he says, yeah, don't you know that the port was closed? And I knew there were issues with the port. I just didn't know it was going to be 10 days worth of issues. So, I mean, that's, uh, it's stressful. Mm-hmm. Luckily, that fruit we sent wasn't uh, too perishable. It's, it's pears, so it 
gives you a decent amount of shelf life but it's just those sort of issues that you have to worry about uh, all the time you know and the not nice thing is that it's not in your hands yeah you can do everything right from your side and uh, weather permitting it might just uh, not work out for you but uh, that's where i've learned to put complete faith and trust, trust in allah and just believe that uh, you know um what's meant to be will be uh, what are you most grateful for today yeah. today yeah. um besides being on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the fact that I closed uh, my first deal to Senegal today um, wow. I'm very happy about that alhamdulillah uh, what and uh, in fact it actually came from a Rashgol contact so it may be even happier to see that you know taking part in such uh, whatever you want to call it a competition or, or whatever um, led to this so that was quite uh, warming to see so elaborate more on your your Senegal deal why why is it something that was big or Um I've just never shipped it to Senegal before. So um I always get excited when I ship to a new country. So okay. The fact that this is the first Senegal one mm-hmm. and I would say one of probably 10 in Africa. Um yeah, it's just exciting to know that this is maybe a new opportunity going forward, yeah. Do you have office in in Doha or I saw on your profile some Doha. Yeah. So we have an office in Qatar. Um I'm not sure if people know but in order to have a, biz- a registered business in those countries you need what they call a sponsor which is a local partner. So um I'm very grateful for this but we have uh, a sheikh in that country who okay. is our partner and uh, for all my deals to that country he supports me and um, one of his good friends in that country is the biggest buyer of fruit there so that's why we kind of set up um i oh, mean it's not a, a full on <coughs> scale <coughs> operation but um yeah it's just to basically service that region also qatar is uh, a transit country that's quite well uh, located so um that's why we thought you know in the initial uh, stages of expansion that's definitely um th- the right direction correct question um, how do you live with purpose someone asked on instagram um well I know this might sound corny to some people, but I mean, our purpose on this earth is uh, to worship Allah. And um, knowing that I read uh, my five times Salah every day um, helps me live with purpose because then I know I'm completing the purpose of why I'm on this planet. So try and answer it as quick as possible. Allah is... Everything. Love is... Peace. The world needs... Compassion. Happiness is contentment. Being a Muslim to me is uh following the prophets of Islam. And I'm the eighth one. Entrepreneurship is uh making money. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> lovely. So, just before we go to the last question, you and me is going to ask the last question. Like, do you have sort of advice to people online and also people listening to the podcast uh with regards to entrepreneurship how easy or how difficult is it i mean with anything in life you're going to face challenges of course uh my advice and i've said this in quite a few of my articles also so it might sound like i'm repeating myself but it's uh, that you will obviously get the difficult times it's the key to push through those difficult times have faith in yourself and your creator and know that you only put in those positions for a reason and uh, know that once you come out of those situations is where you really start feeling good and seeing success so um when you face trials don't give up just uh, obviously keep trying and the other piece of advice is that uh, use caution 
if you're going to try and force a deal or force anything, in my opinion, that's kind of Allah's way to say, look, that's not for you. Obviously, you need to try and work hard at anything. But I mean, if you need to change your morals and your values and you need to start doing things you wouldn't normally do to make something work, rather don't do it because uh, it wasn't meant for you. Okay, uh, well, before we go to the last question, do you ever see yourself moving away from fruits? Um, I think I would like to always have Cape crops, mm-hmm. um, but now we've reached a point where the first few years I was traveling around the world looking for customers, I was traveling around the country looking for suppliers, I mean, all over the Western Cape, even Hoodspread, like just all over the show. And now that I have kind of those connections, I can kind of just sit in my office and make the calls to put them together. So um, it might sound weird, but a lot of the time I'm, I'm not bored, but I might have some free time. And um, on that note, uh, my brother and I are actually starting a new company, inshallah, going to launch at the end of March. So um, yeah, Cape Crops will be there, but um, I just think um, I'll, I'll have other things also. Inshallah. Your new company, is it under Rapstall or? Yeah, yeah, it's, oh, okay. uh, I, I don't want to say anything about it. Because yeah, I'm looking to invest. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe buying some cheap units. Okay, so the last question. Um, today is your last day. You're going to die. You're going to die. Yeah. Sure. Okay. that. Um, <laughs> last words of advice. <laughs> um... Read your kalima as soon as possible. Besides your kalima. Besides your kalima. I would say be grateful to those around you, um, those who mean the most to you. And um, yeah, just kind of reflect on your life and, and see what you've done right and what you've done wrong. And obviously um, repent for that, what you've done wrong and appreciate that, what you've done right. And like I said, just... Be appreciative of the people who are close to you and that are around you and that um, you're grateful for. Awesome. So, Zay, thanks a lot for, for joining us, for being part of the AccidentalMuslims.com family. And we really wish you all the best and may your business grow from strength to strength. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. So that's it for today's show. We hope we added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.